from WUWM, Milwaukee's NPR, this is Capital Notes, a podcast about Wisconsin politics and politicians. I'm Marty Michelson. Each week I discuss noteworthy developments with J.R. Ross, editor of WISPolitics.com. Here's our latest conversation. Hey, JR. So the state assembly passed a sweeping welfare overhaul package last week. It consists of 10 different measures. One bill would increase work requirements for food stamp recipients. Another would require drug testing and treatment to be eligible for public housing. This is another issue that the governor had pushed as he faces re-election this fall. So will this be a major issue that Walker runs on in November and why? You'll hear a message from Governor Walker about how he's trying to find new ways to get people off of welfare and into the workforce, and that this package to him is a way to do that. We have 90-some thousand jobs that are open in Wisconsin right now. To Governor Walker, this is a way to fill those positions. Now, Democrats obviously have argued that this is picking on poor people, hurting folks who need this assistance the most. But I am sure you'll hear from Governor Walker that this is a way to make... uh, government assistance, a trampoline and not a hammock, as he likes to say, and that they're going to push it in that regard. From what they tell me, too, they believe these are politically popular bills that across the spectrum, not just for Republicans and independents, but Democrats, too, like these bills, and they feel very confident that they're, they're winners for them come November. In other legislative matters, a joint committee on Thursday took testimony and then passed a plan that would close the troubled Lincoln Hills Juvenile Prison by mid-2020. Inmates would be transferred to state-run and county-run facilities. In an unusual move, the panel held a public hearing and voted on the bill all in one day. It could pass at least the Assembly this week. Some Republican lawmakers said they would have liked more time to look at the details of the plan, but said there's a short period of time to act. Governor Walker had sort of put a rush on this bill, and it appears the legislature will move quickly. Why is this plan on a fast track, and is this another issue that Walker will run on this fall? Well, remember, Governor Walker has a vulnerability on the youth prisons in northern Wisconsin. Uh, Lincoln Hills is the prison for boys. There have been a number of incidents up there. So some weeks ago, he proposed a plan that would be taken up in 2019 to borrow $80 million and build five new regional facilities, close Lincoln Hills, expand an existing facility in the Madison area for those who have mental health issues, and do that. And Democrats pushed back immediately if this is such a priority, why aren't you doing it now? Well, now he moved it up, asking for it to be done this session. He called it imperative last week to get it done. But what's happening is Senate Republicans, at least their leader, Scott Fitzgerald from Juneau, is saying um, this is a this was a heavy lift to get this done before they break. Um, after this week, the Senate plans to be on the floor just one day in March. The Assembly is saying it's going to be done by Friday of this week at the very latest. That is not a lot of time to get something done like this. So what Fitzgerald is talking about is possibly doing a framework of this and then coming back next year and taking more time to finish it off. He wants to hear from counties, from sheriffs, from state agencies, from everybody impacted by this or would be impacted by this before going forward. So I just don't know if they can get it done. They might be able to polish off something, but I'm not sure right now that they're going to get done the whole thing that Governor Walker wants, you know, an entire package done. Over on the Senate side, Majority Leader Scott Fitzgerald had been pushing a bill to create a powerful new alcohol czar position to enforce liquor laws in Wisconsin. He even wanted to bring the bill to the floor this week, despite the fact that Governor Walker and Assembly Speaker Robin Voss had been cool to the idea. 
A Senate committee held a public hearing on Thursday, but then on Friday, the committee chair canceled a vote on the issue. Why was Fitzgerald pushing this so hard, and why did a committee vote on the alcohol czar get canceled? Fitzgerald's been saying that enforcement is not done properly in Wisconsin comes to alcohol laws. We have what's called a three-tiered system, and that system, I mean, to oversimplify it, there are barriers between if you, you can either manufacture the alcohol, you can distribute the alcohol, or you can sell the alcohol. They don't want you to do two of those things or all three. But we have all these exemptions to that system. For example, you know, if you're a brewery, you can have a, a tasting room, so you are producing it and reselling it, you know. Um, things like that, that there are these gray areas, and Fitzgerald's been saying that there are things that people aren't happy about, enforcement's not done properly, and he wants to see this change. Now, you have small brewers who are trying to find a way to make sure that they're successful. You have big brewers like Miller Coors, unhappy with changes they've proposed. So it's just, it is a, every time you open the door, it's a Pandora's box to this. Uh, I don't know how they find an agreement, but the chair of that committee that canceled the vote is calling for a commission uh, to meet, talk about alcohol laws in general. And we'll see if that, if that provides some fruit come next session. But I just don't see right now this getting done in this session. Also in Madison, there's been some movement on the Kimberly-Clark tax break issue. Last week, the Walker administration sent the consumer products giant the outline of a deal that Walker has described as similar to the Foxconn tax breaks. He hopes it'll convince the company not to close two plants in the Fox Valley and cut 600 workers. The legislature would have to approve the deal, but leaders haven't warmed up to the idea. Yet Walker is pushing ahead anyway. Does Walker hope to eventually win over the legislature? And if so, how much time does he have? Uh, Not much. And I don't know that they can get this bill done before they leave. Again, the assembly wants to be done by Friday. I just don't know enough time to get that through committee on the floor of both houses and knock it out. There are also Republicans that I've talked to in the legislature who are afraid of the precedent this would set. If you're helping out one company, what happens when Harley-Davidson or Johnson Controls or pick your iconic Wisconsin company goes around a layoffs, are they going to then be able to demand the same type of incentives that they're offering to Kimberly-Clark? So that's becoming a little bit of an issue, that bill, too. But for Walker and Republicans in the area, other than this Kimberly-Clark plant, they want to make sure that people know they're trying. Um, so it may not go very far, but at least they can say in their minds, hey, we tried. Um, but there are things beyond the tax bill, and this would you know, provide money, that are factors in things like this. It's you know, the age of the factories, the capacity of them, you know, on down the list. So the company we've asked them before, um, so they didn't ask for a package. I'm just not sure, even if they'd passed something like this, if it would change the mind of Kimberly-Clark and make sure those 600 jobs stay in the Nina area. The primary election for Wisconsin Supreme Court will be held tomorrow. It pits Sauk County Judge Michael Skrenick, the choice of conservatives, against Milwaukee County Circuit Judge Rebecca Dallet, who is trying to appeal to Democrats. The third candidate is Madison Attorney Tim Burns, a self-proclaimed liberal. It was revealed last week that the Republican Party of Wisconsin gave Michael Skrenick $110,000 in in-kind donations. In other words, um, the GOP donated staff to help campaign for the judge. Does this look like a conflict of interest, uh, seeing as though judicial races are officially nonpartisan? Uh, you know, re- the Republican Party of Wisconsin has helped out in campaigns in the past, so this is not a conflict of interest. What it is, though, is an interesting point because... Schronick has been trying to make the case that 
Rebecca Dallet and Tim Burns are partisans who would um, ignore the law and rule in favor of the interest that they support. Well, if you're Democrats can say, well, look, wait a second, you're saying these guys are partisans, but you're taking help from the, the state GOP. What's really interesting is in such a low turnout race, it's hard to predict what's going to happen. And conservatives are definitely worried about the prospect of maybe two more progressive liberal candidates getting through and the conservative not now. Most folks I talk to think that Skronik will get through, but by the calculation, the numbers I've added up between um, WMC's issue mobilization council, the Wisconsin lines for reform, the state GOP, they're, they're spending like $800,000 on TV, radio, and mail and other things to help trying to get through that, that primary. That is an usually high amount of money just to get through a primary in a race like this. In other election-related news, Wisconsin Republicans are distancing themselves from Paul Nealon, who would be challenging House Speaker Paul Ryan in a GOP primary in August. Nealon has been banned from Twitter after a series of posts that were criticized as being racist or anti-Semitic. The Republican parties of Kenosha, Racine, and Walworth counties have either refunded membership dues to Nealon or they've donated that money to charity. Also, the Wisconsin Republican Party um, has been trying to reassure people that Nealon is not a member. So why is it important for these organizations to kind of disown Nealon, and how will that impact his campaign? Oh, they just want to try and distance themselves from him because he's not not somebody they want people to see as a member of the Republican Party. Honestly, Paul Nealon did so poorly in the primary against Paul Ryan two years ago. I don't think it's going to matter one bit because he's not going to crack 20%. He got, I think, 18 or 16 percent last time. He is not somebody who's very popular. What he has done, though, is created a cottage industry of people around the country who don't like Paul Ryan, who will keep giving this guy money. And as long as they keep giving him money, he will keep the shtick up. But I don't talk to any operatives in Wisconsin who think this guy is a credible candidate, that he is somebody Republicans want to associate with, or anybody that <laughs> anybody wants to see in Congress. So, but again, as long as he can get people to keep sending him money, then he'll keep it up. Uh, better getting attention from the media, and this is part of doing these, these antics, but Republicans want nothing to do with Paul Nalen. Um, speaking of the race for the 1st Congressional District, uh, former presidential candidate Senator Bernie Sanders is going to stump for Randy Bryce, a Democrat looking to unseat House Speaker Paul Ryan. They're going to appear together at a big rally in Racine on Saturday. Will this give Bryce's campaign a shot in the arm, and can we expect more big names to come through the 1st Congressional District in an effort to oust Paul Ryan? Well, I mean, Bryce has been kind of, had got a lot of attention from, like, Chelsea Handler, some of the celebrities, so we've seen that factor already. He does have a primary opponent, um, Kathy Myers, in that race, but Bryce has become a fundraising machine. Um, people see him nationally as a way, if they're unhappy with Paul Ryan, to channel their frustrations by giving him money. He has raised an unusually large amount of money for a first-time House candidate from what I've seen in my career covering Wisconsin politics. And as long as he keeps rolling along, he seems like somebody who can, can keep raising this money. Now, there's a big difference between that and being a real threat to Paul Ryan. People I talked to are not quite convinced yet that uh, Bryce can win. He has some baggage, you know, past financial issues, that kind of thing. So we'll see. But he has definitely caught the attention of the, the progressive movement got endorsed with a lot of groups and people like Bernie Sanders now are coming in to help him. They would love to see, you know, these progressives, Paul Ryan lose, but you know, one, we don't know if he's going to run. And uh, two, it's a Republican leaning seat. So it's kind of uh, up in the air if how big a threat that Randy Bryce really is to win that seat come November, if he gets to the primary.
Good to talk to you, JR. Anytime. That's WISPolitics.com editor J.R. Ross. You can join us each week for our conversations. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to Capital Notes on iTunes, NPR One, or wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>